Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, folks. We're beginning the big week of the last week of Mardi Gras. Everybody's got their eye on the weather. Let's keep our fingers crossed. It looks like the first part of this week where we have parades is going to be okay. The end of the week, not so much. Hopefully that will change and the weather folks are wrong again. And we will continue to keep our eye on it. And we will continue to report on it for sure. We have a great show lined up for you today. Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, is going to join us at a 12 o'clock hour. We'll talk about, is Elon Musk overpaid? A Delaware court says yes. COVID funding strained state budgets. How did the Louisiana fare? Big job numbers mean less chance of Fed rate cut. We'll talk about that. How did Louisiana fare out there and propose changes in the industry? Look at gun stats to see what has happened there. And we'll also talk about a topic that Tommy Tucker just uh, covered re- relative to Office of Juvenile Justice's failure to alert the public about juveniles that are um, escaping from their facilities. Why is that? In this hour, we want to hear from you, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. If you got something you want to talk about, give us a shout. We'll talk about um, any of the happenstances last week, stuff we talked about last week, or Things you experienced over the weekend. Saturday was ugly. Saturday was uh, nerve-wracking for a lot of folks as they watch water rise in the streets and the challenges that we have with our drainage system, the ability of the pumps to maintain themselves and keep going and handle rains uh, that fell in excess of five to six inches in some areas over five inches in an hour. And... uh, so we continue to have these challenges. I continue to ask about building codes. It seems to me that we're not going to be able to improve upon how much water we can pump out in a measure of time. It's not going to happen. The reliability of the system is one thing, separate and apart from the capacity of the system. So why are we allowing to build to allow people to build homes on a slab. Why is it not required that we build up? We build off the ground. I think it's a simple fix to this issue. I think it's a huge fix to this issue. We have a lot of homes that are built that way. They don't ever, hardly ever flood. They're off the ground. You can't insure basements anymore for the most part. They won't insure you. 
So let's just change the building code. We build off the ground now. And if we did that throughout the 5-6 parish area south of Lake Pontchartrain, I think we'll, we'll uh, be able to experience a reduction in, in homeowners and flood insurance rates as a result thereof. The big issue right now is fortified roofs for homeowners. The big issue for flood ought to be building off the ground. No longer allowing people to build on a slab, unless that slab is going to be one that's done in such a fashion that you maintain the same height as building higher above the crown of the street than where we are now. Obviously, it's inadequate. If buildings are flooding, homes are flooding, what does that tell you? It's inadequate because it doesn't matter how more reliable we make the power to the pumps if the pumps are incapable of moving water in excess of so, so much rainfall within a prescribed period of time. Plain and simple. This is not rocket science. The question is, do we have a leader who has the political will to consume political capital to begin to have this conversation in a meaningful way. And unless and until we change the way that we view ourselves and how we're going about developing or more importantly redeveloping many tracts of land, we're not going to make the necessary gains that we need to make. Plain and simple. I think other areas of the country will be having these same conversations about whether or not they're going to be able to build hillside overlooking canyons and not having the ability to lace to bedrock or something uh, where you have all of these homes that are slipping off of the side of hills and mountains and such into valleys. So the pumps will never get rid of, just as the text points out, saying the same thing, all of these high water events. It's not going to work. So we have to build in anticipation of that. It doesn't mean that we're going to have a 100% sex, a success rate if we do either, right? Not at all. But we ought to explore the opportunity, explore the possibility begin to talk about it, see what the ultimate cost would be from a construction standpoint. I'm told it's de minimis. And then push back on the federal government once we start doing these things to make sure that we're getting the benefit of reduced premiums for making these sacrifices in the manner in which we're going to construct and build our homes, office buildings, and otherwise. Kind of makes sense to me. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Right after Mardi Gras, we're going to be headed into a special session on crime. And um, Governor Jeff Landry's administration has begun to reveal a number of the items that are going to be in, on the call that they want to have debate about and that they want to change and or modify a lot of this is going to come down to i think republican versus democrat perspectives and it's why i want to bring this up today 
it really isn't about the Republican or Democrat perspectives. Yes, we had the criminal justice reformation movement a couple of years ago. Uh, we've seen that the implementation of, of same was very rough. It was very difficult. Uh, we've seen a number of anomalies that still are not addressed. We are not willing to put the monies necessary in the reformation side of that nor the rehabilitative side of that because rehabilitation and those programs are not necessarily cheaper than incarceration. We keep trying to sell it as though it is and that we're going to take savings from incarceration when we engage in rehabilitation and pump that back into the rehabilitation side in order to fund and finance programs there. It's, it doesn't work. It hasn't ever worked here. It's hard to figure out that balance sheet as to, you know, how many dollars save moving over here and, and everything else. We've seen the byproduct of this fumbled attempt to do so with the juvenile reformation effort. We're seeing it every day. We're seeing it on the adult side. What's interesting is, is that when you look at a number of Democrat-controlled cities that have experienced two, three, four, five years of increased criminal behavior, what you're going to find is they are now proposing plans almost identical to what is being proposed by Republican Governor Jeff Landry and what they will consider. Consider the following. The D.C. Council has just put forward an omnibus crime bill to deal with this incredible rise in violence in that district. More homicides in D.C. than in any year since 1997. They are running counter to the national trend. And they have run counter to the national trend for years on end. And they've in, in, have put forward any number of proposals, some that have actually been passed on and, and, and put into place, and others, uh, they've been talking about it. Some of them have been compromised proposals and things of that na nature. But it seems as though they're getting a lot more aggressive. And over the past year, Mayor, Mayor Muriel Bowser um, has put forward a lot of comments, has created an environment of debate, over the, the way that they're addressing crime and has become very proactive in calling out crime for what it truly is and, more importantly, embrace victims because the victim stories there are horrific. They're on the paper, in the paper every day. They cannot put up with the political pressure of the victim stories. So what you're seeing is, um, is a collection of about 12 bills that have been put forward over the past several years that are going to be placed into one omnibus crime bill. And it's a Democrat uh, member of the Public Safety Committee, Brooke Pinto, uh, who is bringing that forward. There's a great article outlining this whole thing in the Washington Post. One of the provisions that they have is increased penalties for gun possession. They are proposing enhancements that should bring detention, which matches the danger they pose 
to the community. Hmm. Sounds familiar? Never thought you'd hear this from D.C. How about this one? Expanding pretrial detention for youths. This past summer, the council passed emergency legislation that made it easier for judges to detain youths charged with any violent offense Hmm. while they awaited trial. After the bill took effect, the number of children and teens held in secure detention facilities ballooned. Go figure. Put a strain on the juvenile justice system, right? Because they... They were, they were doing this in an emergency fashion. They were reacting to a crisis instead of being out ahead of this crisis. They all saw it coming. But what they recognize is that they've had success with this. Although in the interim, this omnibus bill is going to kind of cut back a little bit and have more of a limited version of that provision um, and uh, trying to hone down on with violent crime utilizing a weapon understand because the infrastructure has not been able to catch up to what they were trying to do locking up more adults before trial the bill is going to be outlined this way and this is almost a word-for-word comparison to what is being proposed by the Landry administration Absent a compelling reason for pretrial release, people charged with violent offenses should be detained while they await trial, even if they have no previous convictions for such crimes. It would require judges, while exercising their discretion, right, to write explanations if they decide to release defendants in these enumerated cases that have yet to be uh, provided. Council members have asked for more evidence that holding people in pretrial detention uh, drives down crime. They're going to continue to look at it. But the author of this says, we're going to judge our own data. Wait a year. Let us put this in, in effect, and then we'll come back and we can revisit uh, this uh, provision. They're also going to allow police to create more drug-free zones that will have enhanced sentencing that have been a problem. And they're also requiring more efforts from city agencies to get involved, whether it's the district's 911 center or other agencies to help facilitate law enforcement in the work that they are doing. Now, one of the things, and you you will be surprised by that. This representative, this uh, member Pinto, had put up as a controversial provision last year that would have allowed law enforcement to randomly search people charged with violent offenses who are on pretrial release, folks that are on electronic monitoring and things of that nature. Pretrial release, they have no expectation of privacy. They're under a court-mandated program, and therefore enforcement officials would be able to randomly search them without getting a search warrant or otherwise. That provision proved to be very controversial and has been left out of this omnibus bill, not because there was a lack of desire to do so and they feel that it is is absolutely necessary 
They just did not want the bill to get bogged down in debate as a result of that provision. The long and short of what's going on here, this is very similar to what you're going to see with a number of these provisions in Governor Jeff Landry's special session in the call. And one might think it's kind of odd that Democrats in D.C. are proposing the same things that Republicans in Louisiana desire. We'll be right back. Love to hear from you. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. We have open lines. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go to Haas. Haas, you're up. Welcome to the show. The reason I'm calling is you're talking about the elevation, construction, and certain mm-hmm. flood zones. Yes. Sir. I was going to tell you, I was, an, I was an elected official for 32 years, and I had to live through Katrina. And mm-hmm. what people don't realize is when Katrina hit, the feds came in, and they used the data from one of the universities in central Florida, not the big universities like the SEC, but some of the other ones. And they came back, and they, they put everything a V-Zone. So uh, our, our city, Bay St. Louis, we paid, uh, we paid about 150000 to fight the V-Zone, which means very bad for flood insurance. And they were putting all our properties in the V-Zone, so we got uh, two volunteers. One of them was a, was a certified uh, person testified at hearings for insurance companies and so forth. And we hired the engineering firm, and we also had one of Gene Taylor's people uh, help us get everything together. So the result of it was the V-Zones were pushed back to the water instead of having our people having to pay the flood zone V rates, which are outrageous. Now, in addition to that, our building inspector that we had spent about 100000 to train had come back to tell us that there was something involved in the elevation called a freeboard. In other words, the feds at that time had decided the elevation requirement per area. However, the freeboard is supposed to give you a benefit, and what they did following that within five years, they went ahead and raised the elevation so people that had built back after the hurricane, after they built back, they came back and said, oh, you didn't build it high enough, you're going to pay a surcharge on your flood insurance. So it sounds like somebody running around, you know, like when you when you butcher a chicken, you cut his head off, and it sounds like the people calling the shots were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. So I just wanted to alert you to that, and the developers come in, and they'll, they'll dig a hole, put a house in a hole, and the flood's just too bad. But I agree with you. See, I, I think uh, my home is up uh, – the elevation of my property right by the beach is 19.2 feet, 
at the invert of the uh, manhole, you know, the metal cover. However, I have like a two-foot, four-inch elevation for my joist, so it helps. Now, I had gone to several meetings involving elected officials that was put on by FEMA, and on purpose, they did not invite the senator, United States senator, and they didn't invite our congressman because they asked if they were there. And when they, nobody responded, they said, good. What kind of response is that by a FEMA organization telling you the most important people in, in making the legislation weren't even invited to come to it? So it was a, it was a total joke. And, uh, you know, they, I went to talk to the guys from the Florida universities. And one guy was about 38 years old. You know, they were all professors and so forth. And I asked them, I said, how did you all ascertain what the V-zone was going to be? They said, oh, we did this and did that. And I asked one of the guys, I said, how do you like Bay St. Louis? You know, the promised land, how nice it is. He said, oh, it's pretty nice. First time I've ever been here. I said, how did you ascertain what the elevations requirements were if you've never been here? He said, oh, well, we did it by computer models. What the heck is that? Okay. So that's what they told us. And the guy was telling me, he said, yeah, where do you live? So I told him. And he said, well, oh, y'all didn't have any flood losses. I said, didn't have any flood losses. They gave me $180,000. What the heck is that? The guy said, oh, that wasn't flood loss. That was sewer backup. Have you ever heard that term before? So there's two terms you might want to investigate. Sewer backup is the same as flood insurance and also having to do with the free board issue. I mean, it was like a comedy, like a bunch of people who are either drunk or stoned were sending out memos for the rest of us to live by. So I just wanted to make you aware that you got the right idea. You know, developers, I don't know who they who they greasing up or whatever's going on, but the developers, you know, if they got a chance, if they could build a house trash, they will. Now, the worst part is they got other people, they build their houses, and they put them up in the air so, so high. And I don't know if they're going to uh, hold up to the wind. You know, you put a house 25 feet above the ground, you know, you got the Bernoulli's principle. It's like an aircraft when, you know, it could take off and fly somewhere else. So anyway, I just wanted to share. Well, that what you, you what you, you see, Haas, is you see a bunch of these houses rake, right? You know, they yeah, they yeah, twist yeah. on the yeah. pilings because because they're they're not stabilized in a, in an appropriate fashion. So that's going to be the next problem that we're going to have is going to be on the wind side, not the flood side, because of the raking. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. and it it it's always an issue, and and we're always and we we know what the challenges are. I don't know why we just simply don't address it. So let me ask you this question. When you say you're 19 and a half foot uh, 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 above what? Is that above sea, sea level? level? Yeah, uh, I'm, I happen to be in Bay St. Louis. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say because a lot of times when you talk to folks and they say, well, I, I'm 20 foot above, above what? And they don't even really know what they're above. <laughs> That's right. Well, this is uh, they shot the grade after the hurricane hit. They came to my street. They took out some some hills, but they, they made them gradual hills instead of abrupt hills. And uh, when they did so, they shot the grade of the manhole, and I asked them what, what the grade was, and they said 19.2 feet above sea level. Now, within 500 yards of my house is is a place called Ullman, U-L-M-A-N, Ullman Avenue, and they rate that as the highest point on the entire Gulf Coast of the United States, from Brownsville, Texas, to Key West, Florida. Now, that's, that's the highest point right on the water. That's not, you can go back a little further and go higher, like uh, Scenic Drive and Pass right. Christian is very high, you know, but not on the water itself. Yeah. So there's a lot of things uh, 
going on, but you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, and you, you're doing the same thing with the crime. I got to make this comment. You know, the crime deal, the biggest problem with it is the goofballs making the, the laws want to pat everybody on the hand and say, oh, it's okay if you shot that person, just don't do it again. That's ridiculous. I mean, you know that. I mean, your career yeah. reflected a good a good enforcement situation. Anyway, thank you, Hoss. You I, want to ask me what? I appreciate the comments. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, telling us about your experience with all of this as an elected official out Mississippi Way. We really appreciate it because our challenges are the same. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870. Give us a shout. Stay with us. This is Newell on WWL. Welcome back, folks. Sorry about that. We're having a little technical difficulty. Lost the uh, signal. Um, We're working on that. So if you lose me, that's what's going on at the present time. Wanted to talk about a lot of folks have been saying, oh, the Republicans are not supporting this um, immigration reformation bill. Uh, And I reminded folks last week, well, they they didn't release any of the details of the bill. Well, finally, a number of Republicans have come together and compelled um, the Senate to release the provisions and the text of this compromise bill. They released it yesterday. We've got a little bit of a summation of what is uh, in the bill. Doesn't go far enough. Once again, we got our toe in the water. I'm not sure what is standing in the way of both Republicans and Democrats in going just full-fledged on this issue. To give you one example, they're trying to curb this catch-and-release situation where migrants come across the border, they claim asylum. We know that their asylum claims are BS, uh, but we still continue to process that uh, for them. So... This bill has a measure that makes it tougher to qualify for asylum. It limits how many people can make asylum claims a day, and it detains or tracks migrants as they move through the process. It makes a couple of minor changes to the legal immigration system, including uh, ones to help children or work visa holders avoid deportation when they become adults. But what it's become evidently clear to me is that we were detained for that new process while most families with children under 18 would be released with a monitoring device, such as an ankle bracelet or, or a cell phone app. But this is what I don't understand. If you enter this country at any other place other than the ports of entry, you have entered this country illegally. So why would we allow an, them to avail themselves of any program for those that assume that they're entering legally. So if we want to eliminate asylum, why not just put a provision in the law that says if you enter anywhere other than a port of entry, you forego, you forfeit your right to claim asylum. It's over. You're done. You get no social benefits of this country you get absolutely zero. My suspicion is is that they really don't want to move this mass migration to the ports of entry because it even becomes more of a media event, one in which it's a lot easier to memorialize than traveling hundreds of miles in the middle of nowhere to get to these crossings and these gaps 
where there's few or, or border patrol individuals. But it, it just seems to me, why, why are we playing with this? This way, you don't have to deal with that. They are out. They don't, gain, they don't get the benefit of any consideration that this incredible, great country has to offer. And we make that perfectly clear. If you inconvenience us, welcome back, folks. Did not realize I had lost the signal. Not sure when I did, but I was just saying that I don't understand why we would want to reward those that are coming to this country knowingly and intentionally illegally, and that the inconvenience is placed on you, the taxpayers. You're funding this operation. And from the very onset, we're giving people the benefit of the doubt, knowing that they know what they're doing is actually wrong. They know it. They walk across the border, they turn themselves in. And then they know they're going to be released into the country. And my point was that they should not be able to avail themselves of an asylum claim as a result thereof. That's a reward. I don't know about you, but I want to be rewarded as a taxpaying citizen. Same thing in the criminal justice system. We need to be more victim-centric as opposed to offender-centric. And I'm not sure why Democrats are hell-bent on approaching it this way. It's easy. Right now, the existing laws, if you cross into this country between ports of entry, you have done so illegally. The president keeps saying, I don't have the tools necessary to enforce the law. That's the law. Go enforce it. you got all the tools necessary. You've got all the people that are working for you. What you have is a lack of desire. And what you want is more discretion. So let's talk about what else the bill provides for. So the bill provides for giving the president kind of that Title 42 power that was utilized by Donald Trump during the pandemic which would be authorized for three years, the government can shut down the border to asylum seekers if crossing surpass a daily average of 4,000 a day for at least seven days. So let's, let's give you an example of how this is going to work. If you go to a port of entry and you want to try and do it legally and legitimately, and you may have a legitimate asylum claim, guess what? Under this power, he can shut down the entire border. If the crossings surpass a daily average of 4,000 a day for at least seven days. That's about half of the daily crossings that we've seen in the past several months. But for the most part, over this whole crisis, it's not even been four to 5,000 a day every day. So it's a pretty big number. The shutdown becomes mandatory at 5,000 a day. That's 1.825 million a year if we hit that number. If he decides to shut the, the crossings down, the border then could not reopen until crossings fall to under 75% of the trigger point. So if the trigger point's 5,000, it can't reopen until they get the average daily crossings below 3750. And this is the, what they say is a good program, right, 
to hit these numbers that are some of the highest numbers during certain seasons of the year that we would ever ever hit. When President Obama's Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security said if we have more than a thousand crossings a day, it's a crisis. The system is not set up to be able to handle it. And it, not much has changed since that point in time. There's also provisions to increase legal immigration. They have no issue with that. They would create an additional 50,000 green cards each year for five years. Um, and there are some other uh, paths for citizenship for Afghan. Uh, and there is a, a, a small fix for documented dreamers um, as, as well. But this bill really doesn't accomplish much. It doesn't set up the disincentives where we don't allow them to avail themselves of certain things within our government. Makes absolutely no sense to me that we would continue to do this, that we would continue to act based on the polling in this country, what I think U.S. citizens are looking to accomplish by reforming the immigration system. Let's make it simple. You do it the right way, we make it easy. You do it the wrong way, it just simply ain't gonna happen. When we come back after the top of the news break, we will visit with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. It's a one-year anniversary of Orleans Parish District Attorney ADA Emily Maul refusing 15 weapons cases on Mardi Gras Day last year. Hopefully, we will not see that happenstance this year. We'll talk about that and other issues when we return. Stay with us. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 